Welcome to the only actionable podcast to help you unfuck your marketing and run a business that gives a shit. I'm your host, Siobhan, and this is Marketing Unfucked. Today's conversation is about why you need to keep your skin in the game with Andra Zaharia. Let's do this. Andra, thanks for being here. How do we unfuck marketing? By putting more skin in the game, by actually having a personal stake in our work as marketers. And I honestly, truly, strongly believe that. Okay, so explain this a little bit more. Skin in the game, being more personal. Tell me what you mean exactly. What I found and what I've seen, you know, around marketers who do a really great job, not just in their industries, but also as community leaders, is that they truly believe in what they do. They believe in their work. They believe in supporting and helping people through their work or educating them or creating, you know, opportunities for other people to thrive, whether it is, again, in their own industries or as marketers, you know, in the marketing community. And where I see this a lot, and of course, I'm biased, (laughs) but where I see this a lot is in the cybersecurity industry. For example, this is a space that is sorely missing marketers who who really care deeply about security who, you know, find alignment between their own principles, their own needs, and their own kind of self-growth objectives and what the industry can teach them and, and how they can use that combination of skills that they bring in, marketing skills, communication skills, and so on, and, you know, industry know-how. Because I honestly believe, and I haven't, you know, I, I started to see this lack or this, this disconnect with the industry where marketers you know, do their uh, do their thing in the past few years. And you can clearly see when someone is just trying to replicate best practices and uh, someone who is just trying to emulate models that work at a certain time and, you know, on certain channels. And there's a huge difference between those people and the people who really care about the industry and they want to use their skill to truly help someone. Because at the end of the day, I really believe that as marketers, it's our job to help people, whether we make things simpler for them, clearer, more accessible, you know, even more entertaining, whatever it is, at the end of the day, it's about serving someone. And those who do it best are people who really care about those issues that they're trying to solve. So they're doing it best. And I can agree with that. If you care, you do it better. But what's wrong about not caring? What's wrong about just applying best practices or blanket models? You're going to get a lot of backlash, not to say that you're going to be ineffective and throw a lot of money at things that don't work, because every kind of audience has their pet peeves. Every kind of audience has their triggers. They have their motivators and their pain points, and they are not the same. So again, I know the perhaps you know the security industry is a bit more specific than others because it's it's more technical and it requires you to educate yourself as a marketer in ways in which you know perhaps other industries don't but for example if you come let's say fast moving consumer goods you're not going to be able to use that much of what you learned in the space simply because people in the security industry you know technical leaders who vet and analyze their options in terms of cybersecurity products and services. They're very, very perceptive. They're very attentive to nuance. They're very kind of reactive. If they see even, you know, keywords that trigger them and then cliches that simply show them that you don't understand what their actual needs are. 
And if you try to dumb things down to the point where it removes the complexity that they're actually looking for, that's, for example, one of the signals that's going to get you instantly dismissed. So your work is not going to go through. And what I found even worse than this, you know, besides not having an impact at all, is actually, you know, just carrying on and kind of pushing forward some stereotypes that don't serve anyone and actually do more damage than good. Do you have an example of that, where that does happen, even in the security industry? I held lots of that, unfortunately. Military-grade encryption. Like, tell this to people in the industry who know what kind of encryption, you know, military equipment uses, will tell you that it's not what you think it is, first of all. Not that it's not strong enough, but not, you know, the military as, you know, at like ballpark doesn't have the best security tools throughout every kind of operation. So you're going to have you know, differences, nuances. And if you tell like regular people who you need, you know, antivirus or a VPN or a password manager about military grade encryption, that's going to absolutely not resonate with them because they have no idea what that means. And it's just an empty word. And there are lots of other things. One of the things that I personally dislike very much is when when marketing people, let's say salespeople or whatever content people use the phrase, humans are the weakest link in security. This creates a couple of things. First of all, it creates a rift between technical people who know, you know, all of the technical aspects of what they're talking about and risk models and whatnot. And then people on the other side who aren't security specialists and they're not supposed to be. And when you tell people basically you're stupid and it's your fault, you're not going to have people listen to you or be receptive to what you're trying to do. They're not going to care about the education or, you know, wisdom that you're trying to impart because you just call them stupid, basically. And that doesn't help anyone. It just creates this, just this rift between these two categories of people instead of trying to get them to work together. So then how do we do that, though? How, what do we use instead of military-grade encryption or, you know, it, the human's the problem? What are we using instead to make it more accessible? Simple words that people actually resonate with. So instead of telling people, you know, depending on who your uh, target audience is, if it's a technical person, like, just tell them the encryption protocol that you're using because they probably know what it's about and they're looking for specific information, not generic concepts that don't say anything to anyone. And if you tell people, you know, if you talk to regular people, just tell them the highest security available on the market. And then, you you know, in the specification sheet, you can actually mention what it's about. You can link to a resource you created on the topic or to a Wikipedia page or whatever it is where they can read more about it if they want to, instead of pushing, you know, more jargon their way. And instead of saying that people are the weakest link, teach people about risk models. Tell them, you know, that your habits as, you know, an employee, as, let's say, the person in your household who handles tech stuff, you have your your decisions and your actions have consequences, not only on your security, but they have consequences and effects on your job security, on your financial stability on, you know, even the entire company, because if it is, you know, if a a click on a malicious link originates from your PC and then turns into a ransomware attack that affects the entire company, 
then you're going to have issues, you know, getting paid, doing your work, talking to customers and so on and so forth. So there are ways in which you can talk to people by taking their contacts into consideration. But that involves, like I mentioned earlier, skin in the game. That means doing the, the work yourself, like trying to use those tools and products and, you know, eating the dog food, as they say, eating your own dog food. So you know what that feels like if it makes you feel frustrated at any point, if it makes you feel, you know, like you you can't have a strong grasp. These are all moments, These this kind of friction moments are the moments through which you should be helping your customer with education, with better UX, with whatever it is, visualizations, you name it. You should be helping your customer get through these pain points and and stand by them and not again not perpetuate the same like meaningless things that do do yourself for the same the service but do our customers always want to be educated because in the sense of security right i mean i know some people who really thrive on oh this is military grade equipment encryptment they're like encryption rather it just you know, it sounds exciting. It sounds cool. It's it's this this element. There's this element that when you use jargon, that people are impressed. Could it be that it's actually better that the marketer doesn't really know and just using these terms because that's what sounds cool and might be accessible? Do we do our users actually want to be educated, or are we kind of forcing it down their throat because we think <laughs> they should be educated? That this is an excellent perspective, and and I think that it's. Not a dilemma, but it is a very good question to sit with as a marketer, wherever you may, you know, whatever industry you're working in. I think it all boils down to the types of customers that you have and also the kind of company that you are at the end of the day. So if you're a product focused company, then you will want to, you know, contextualize your product in a way that focuses on just that. If you're a sales driven company, you may be a bit more from what I've seen, a bit more pushy, a bit more aggressive in how you communicate and how you push these things. But I do believe that most people do want to know simply because there's a huge uptick. And again, speaking specifically about the security industry, there's a huge uptick in searches that are very focused on understanding certain concepts. What is this? What is that? How do you do that? So people want to know because they feel they have no control over these abstract, you know, this abstract volume of information. And those who seek simplicity will probably go for either something that they see in an ad without going through the whole evaluation, comparison process between options and so on and so forth. So I think that there, there are different paths that people take to secure what they want to protect. And if you want to buy from an ad, that is fine if that's your decision-making model. Because honestly, even in our lives as marketers, we we invest more time in selecting certain products and services than we do in others. Like if you're into cars and you want to buy a new car, you're going to spend a lot of time on it because you care about it and you enjoy it. But otherwise, if it's something that you need and don't care that much about, you're just going to want to optimize you know, how much time you're spending. So it really depends on who your best customer is, because if you want to attract people who are passionate about security, those people will want more details, more clarity, less less cliches, and so on. But if you want to attract someone who is, let's say, less involved with your company, 
that's fine too. But are they your best customers? Are they going to stick with you? Because someone who doesn't care about selecting a product and putting time into it and gaining at least a modicum of education are probably not going to be, you know, a recurring customer or a loyal customer because they'll just jump from one solution to another. So you have to ask yourself as a marketer and as a company, what kind of customers you want and try to obviously build a relationship with them. Got it. Okay. So ultimately it comes down to also having the skin in the game, your skin in the game because you need to know what kind of customer you're trying to get. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but then give me another example of just being more personal, having your skin in the game. What else can a marketer do or is a marketer doing wrong? Let's talk mainstream when they aren't investing and educating themselves about what they are marketing or who they are marketing to. How else mm. can they get there? Well, it to me, you know, going through these experiences yourself, and I know this may sound not a straightforward thing, but I think that investing in yourself and in your own self-awareness and then understanding how you work around certain problems and how you deal with you know, decision-making and things like that can teach you a lot about how other people think. And this is my experience. So going to therapy, reading tons of books on neuroscience and psychology and working with a change management strategist, you know, alongside in, in terms of coaching were very powerful experiences for me because they helped me understand how other people think how other people act and they help me see these patterns. So if it's not, and these are evergreen things. So if you study psychology enough, if you look at neuropsychology and, you know, the latest studies that are constantly revealing very interesting aspects about how our brains work and how we react to stimuli and how our brain handles information, these are evergreen things that you can apply to any field that you choose to work in as a marketer. And those will there are kind of underlying factors that will help you everywhere. So if you work on your own self-growth, that will inherently make your work better. And I really believe that it will make your work more empathetic. It will help you connect to uh, other people more. And that's, for example, one why one of my favorite frameworks is the jobs to be done framework, which seems very abstract at first and very kind of like, yeah, but how do I actually apply this? But when you start working with it, because it's about helping people do the thing that they want to do and also accompanying them as they go through their own development process, whether it's at work or it's personal or, you know, whatever objective they may have, then you're going to have a much easier time relating to them, understanding their language, seeing what they care about and what kind of human needs sit behind the keywords they use and the, you know, the comments that they leave, the reviews that they leave. And that gives you a direct line to your customers and it helps you see them in a much more different light than just, you know, looking at raw data and, you know, open rates and click rates and all of the things that analytics tools feed us, which are helpful in some cases, but not as helpful as we think they are, in my opinion. How do you apply the jobs to be done framework to your own marketing practices, you know, mostly content marketing in your case? One of the things that I do with my customers and honestly for myself as well is that I constantly have customer development interviews where, so a customer development interview, although people, you know, the name seems self-explanatory, but I don't think that it is. 
Because many people think, like, oh, this is a product feedback session. No, it's not. Oh, this is a sales session. No, it's not. It's a different kind of conversation. It is like having a conversation where with someone where you just sit there, listen, and just ask a few curious questions. It's like doing kind of a, you know, it's like interviewing people for a podcast, but slightly different though. So how this helps customer development interviews are, for those who are listening, are customer conversations that focus on people's pain points. So you ask them, you know, why they had that pain point, what was going on in their lives when they started to think about that. You try to understand their context, their needs, their preferences and the experiences that drove them to make one choice over the other and try to connect the dots in a way that gives you an understanding of what that person is doing with no relation to your product or your company. So you're not trying to push anything. You're not trying to lead the conversation. You're just sitting there and being a good listener and just try to explore, but without you know pushing them to one direction or the other. And how I use that is that from these conversations come a lot of insights around product, around communication channels, about use cases, pain points, many, many things. And one of the key things is when you apply the jobs to be done framework to this, you identify what people really want to do with the work that they do. For example, you might be selling a product or a service that helps people make more money because they want to use that money to buy a house, to send their kids to university. So the goal is not what you think. It's not the immediate goal that they get. I'm saving whatever it is. It is a completely different goal that has very deep emotional roots in their lives. And what these interviews, this framework helps you is find those emotional triggers and nuances, which many people ignore because we like to think about of ourselves as being very rational decision makers, which we are not. <laughs> It, it's essentially like doing user interviews, isn't it? I mean, in some way, we do them, you know, I do them in my field and we this, you know, we talk to our customers and in the interview specifically, like you said, we don't lead them in one way or another. And then you're taking those learnings and you're applying them. But what makes that better than not doing it? Meaning, how does that improve your marketing? First of all, I think that it gives you such a more direct and more expansive understanding of what people are going through when they, you know, use a product, when they're looking for a product, when they're trying to solve a problem. Because essentially, that's what we're all trying to do. We're either trying to move away from pain or towards happiness. And those are the essential drivers for our decisions. I think that it gives you a lot more nuanced understanding of these things as well, as opposed to what you think people do. And it also helps you validate hypotheses that you have as a marketer. You believe some things, you know, you believe some stuff about your customers, like who they are, what they look like, what they do, what they care about in their lives. And you try to do these customer personas. But if you don't have these conversations that give you qualitative information, you may very easily make wrong decisions and wrong assumptions about your customers that can go for years of being, you know, unchecked, unvalidated, and you might be stuck wondering, why isn't this working? Why aren't people, you know, resonating? Why do we have to keep throwing money at this? Because I'm a big proponent and I only work around organic growth. I'm particularly interested in this because otherwise, it's, you know, as a marketer focused on organic growth, you cannot make 
too much headway without actually talking to people because you have no money to spend on ads. And I think also that, you know, having these conversations is a huge competitive advantage over people who don't do it. It creates a lot of alignment in teams internally. It helps people see that, you know, it helps people connect on the same list of priorities. Because when you have like 5, 10, 20 of these interviews, you'll inherently see patterns. So it's much easier for everyone to agree like, yeah, we should prioritize this fix or this, you know, uh, campaign because people seem interested in this rather than everyone kind of competing for budgets and resources and uh, the CEO's attention. So it works on multiple levels. But I think the one key thing that is the most important is that it creates a human connection. And it helps you get that, you know, personal stake because there's a human in front of you, not just a bunch of numbers. And I do believe that changes things, even for the most, you know, cynical, unfazed marketer out there. <laughs> so then just in closing, because you'd mentioned this before, you've mentioned this concept of best practices and how they don't really apply. For example, if I'm a marketer in a security industry, cybersecurity is something you're very familiar with. And my predecessor, my colleague, somebody I know who works in the same field has done these user interviews. Why can't I use their information? Why is that not just as beneficial? I think that you could, you can use, you know, things and things should be documented. I'm a huge believer in documenting these things and making them available for everyone. But it's not going to be the same experience as, as doing them yourself, as, you know, sitting at that moment with that customer behind a screen or not. And, you know, trying to be attentive to what you're say- they're saying and also look for patterns and, and have that exchange, that very personal exchange. So you can use that data, but without having the experience yourself, I think it doesn't have the same personal impact. It doesn't create that sense of involvement as when you have someone in front of you talking about their issues and talking about their struggles. It's like watching a movie versus being in one or like listening to a podcast versus being, you know, on the show and being a guest or having, you know, a a direct line of access to, to these people. So yes, it's super helpful to use what's happened beforehand. I'm not a believer in coming in and erasing everything and just starting from scratch because the other person was doing it all wrong. But I do believe in having to do the work yourself because if you don't do it, that's how people become disconnected from their customers. The higher up people go in a company, the more disconnected they become. They stop talking to people. They're, you know, they get bogged down with management tasks and, you know, all sorts of things that are removed from the actual people who use the product. And that's why we see all of this bad marketing around us. And we wonder, like, what are these people thinking? What has happened here? Why is this so generic and unappealing and and lacks, you know, personality and heart? It's because these people haven't talked to their customers in a really, really long time. So you meant skin in the game, literally. Like, you need to do the dirty work. You can't just pass it off to someone. Got it. Thank you so much, Andra. Thank you as well, Siobhan. I, I love that you're doing this podcast. I think that it is so important. And I, I really believe that it is a huge resource for people who want to just stop kidding themselves because we're so good at, 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 you know, lying to ourselves as humans. We're really good at that. And when we stop, things get really good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for listening to Marketing Unfucked. 
Make sure to leave us a review or reach out to me with some feedback. See you in two weeks. Thank you.